Good morning. I'm kind of glad I have like people like this morning. I mean, I love them, but like, I don't know if it was too early, but people were so quiet. So, yeah. But um, so yeah, you know, there is like something special about your church when not one, but like both of our pastors decide to go out of town on the same weekend. And then, like, they asked the crazy Puerto Rican on staff to do the sermon. <laughs> so if this is your uh, first time here, a very special uh, welcome to you. And I hope you'll come back and meet our really great uh, teaching pastors on another uh, Sunday. So today, I just I hope to share just uh, a little bit of my story and uh, just some of the things that I've learned so far in my journey. Um, today is also the start of the four-week uh, Wonder Woman of the Bible series, and uh, I am no superhero, but there is a true uh, Wonder Woman mentioned in the Bible, and her name is Hannah, uh, mother to the prophet Samuel, so we'll check out uh, her study story, I'm sorry, today as well. Uh, but before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this day, um, God, and just for the privilege of just standing here to share my story and just your amazing grace um, and also that we get to study your word, Father. I just pray uh, that you be in the midst of everything that will be said um, here this morning. Father, I just invite you, uh, Lord, to come here and uh, be with us this morning. And I just uh, I thank you and I love you and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. My um, journey to grace began about um, 12 years ago when I first moved to D.C. And when I say my journey um, to grace, I mean both my journey into experiencing God's amazing grace in my life and also my journey into finding this church. I was 21 years old at the time. I was working for the Puerto Rico Convention Bureau in San Juan after having uh, graduated from college. And, you know, I'm like thinking I own the world and all that. Um, and one day, just my boss um, came to my desk, and he said, you know, hey, Brenda, we are having trouble finding staff for, uh, in D.C. for our D.C. office, so will you consider maybe, like, the possibility of moving to D.C.? So I went, like, yeah, I'll move to D.C. Um, keep in mind, I had no idea what the job will be, how much it will pay. Um, I had never visited Washington, D.C., and uh, this Caribbean girl had never experienced cold weather or seen snow in her life. But I celebrated with friends that very night anyways, as if I had gotten the job, because I really felt at the time that this was going to happen for me. Less than four weeks after that, I was actually landing at Dulles, completely on my own, hauling a few suitcases and like looking all excited. That was after my freakout session in San Juan a few hours earlier um, when it hit me that I was about to move to like another country, um, leaving my family behind, leaving everything that I knew behind. And I started worrying what will happen if I didn't like the city or the job. Somehow I didn't think about any of that before I got to the airport. My last Sunday in Puerto Rico before I moved here, um, I went to church. And this is the very conservative, very traditional, charismatic church I grew up in. This is the same church where my family, my very loving parents, my two awesome sisters, 
uncles, cousins, everybody has been going to since I was maybe seven or eight years old. This is the church where my father is best friends with a pastor. Uh, he's a deacon, the treasurer. This is the church where I got baptized at 14 years old, where I volunteered to bring food to AIDS patients with my youth group. And it's also where I talked Sunday school to preschoolers. So obviously, uh, what do you think I did on my last Sunday there? Um, I lied. Like, I lied to the entire church. This is what happened. The pastor called me to the front to say a prayer of blessings over me since I was moving. And he made a really big deal about it since everybody at that church knew who I was. And after he prayed, he, like, handed me the microphone so I could say goodbye. So... I said, like, very eloquently and, like, sounding very churchy and very dramatic, I said, thank you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Please take care of my parents when I'm gone because I know they'll be so sad. But I know that God is calling me to move to D.C. And he has a big plan waiting for me there, and I'm just being obedient. So yeah, I lied. I totally lied. I had no idea if God had a plan for my life or not. <laughs> like, I mean, I was hoping he did, uh, but I had no clue if this was like God's will for my life or not. Like, I just wanted to move to D.C. and like practice my English and like make all my college friends jealous because I got a cool job. <laughs> it actually took me 10 years to see that God did have a plan for me in D.C., and some of the things that I went through during those 10 years required prayer, and not just any kind of prayer, but the type of honest, desperate prayer that we see Hannah do in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's dig in, and you can follow on the screen or in the back of your bulletin. We are reading from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah did not. And each year, Elkanah will travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he will give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he will give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina will taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. And year after year, it was the same. Penina will taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah will be reduced to tears and will not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah will ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? Like you have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Don't you love that? <laughs> so about six weeks ago, we are at staff meeting, and Pastor Young announces that we need someone to do the sermon on August 16th. And I'm not sure why, probably a cruel joke, someone in the office said, oh, Brenda, she'll do it. And I burst out laughing, and it was one of those moments, like in a movie, when you're laughing really hard, and then you look around, and no one else is laughing with you. 
true story. So that's when I looked at John and I said, like, oh, like, you're being serious. You're not kidding. And he's, so John and Derek, you know, go like, yes, Brenda, just go find a woman in the Bible that you can relate to and go tell her story. So I, of course, that very night I start reading about some of the great women of the Bible. And these were like a few of my options. There was like Queen Esther. And I'm thinking, like, I'm not really, like, a beauty queen type like she was. And I'm a total, like, chicken. Like, I wouldn't go to the king and, like, risk my life for my people. So, like, I just, I can't relate to that. (laughs) Then there was Rahab, a prostitute who hides the spies sent by Israel. And she gives her life to God, does exactly what they tell her to do. And because of that, her and her entire family are saved when their town is destroyed. And I'm thinking, like, I can be stubborn and not very obedient. Like, I wouldn't do just exactly what I'm told. So I couldn't really, like, relate to Rahab either. And then I found Hannah, who was a woman being bullied by someone close to her, so stressed out about her situation that she couldn't even eat surrounded by people who didn't understand what she was going through. She's crying in public at the temple, and she's praying like a crazy woman to the point the pastor thought she was drunk at church. And then I thought, now there is a woman that I can relate to. So let's read some more about Hannah. This is from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 through 18. It says, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, Then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. And seeing her lips moving, but like hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here here drunk? He demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. But I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, just go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. And then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. So I don't know about you, but when I read the story, the first thing I think is that Hannah is, like, selfish. I mean, she's praying for this baby because it is the one thing she doesn't have, and it is what she wants more than, like, anything in the world. Hannah's husband was wealthy, and he really loved her, so she probably had a very good life. Uh, Hannah was actually the first wife, the favorite wife, but she still wanted the one thing she didn't have, and that was a child. But what at first may seem like a selfish request, she actually promises 
to give right back to God for his purposes. And this is before she even knows if God is going to answer this prayer or not. That seemingly selfish request turned out to be Samuel, who we know is one of the main prophets of the Bible, turned out to be the last judge under the judges' ruling system of Israel. He was a man who actually heard God's voice at a time when the Bible says, and I quote, that in those days the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. Samuel is the one that God uses to anoint um, Saul as the first king of Israel and then eventually to anoint king as David after Saul basically like falls off the wagon. Hannah's request turned out to be a gift from God and not just for her, but he was a gift to the entire nation of Israel. And I think those are pretty amazing results for what initially may seem like a selfish request. So as I mentioned before, I grew up in a very um, loving and pretty conservative uh, Christian home. And as I always say, add to that like a whole other layer of Latin culture uh, where everyone in your family is like up in your business like every minute of the day. Um, Even now that I leave, and I'm not keeping track, but it's 1,571 miles away from home. (laughs) And it really makes the perfect place to raise a good girl. I don't even have any crazy college-like stories to share like some of our pastors here at Grace do. (laughs) I was a nerd even before I got to college, and I think we have a picture. This is me in private school. I love that picture. And it pretty much stayed that way all throughout college. And some close to me say I'm even a nerd to this day. I was the type of student that would ask for special permits from the dean at my school so I could take um, more classes and extra credits per semester. I never really tasted a single drop of alcohol during college. I never did any drugs or went to literally, this is that, to like a single party. And I went on maybe like two dates during all those years. That's enough. We can take that down. (laughs) Um, But now, landing in D.C. at 21 years old, completely by myself, with no family around, with no church family, and with a really cool job that took me to great hotels and restaurants around the country. And then after that, I had a job at a startup company that basically became my life because of the really long hours I was working there. Suffice to say, I made up for a lost time on not all of those things, but certainly on some of those. During those first years in D.C., I, like Hannah, had my share of like selfish requests. And my prayers will go like, God, I want another promotion. God, I want another salary increase. Please have my boss give me more power and more responsibility and more opportunities to climb the corporate ladder. And just like Hannah's, my requests were actually granted, and not because I really deserved it, but because without me realizing it at the time, God was preparing me for ministry, and there was something much bigger than what I could have planned on my own. So here's the first lesson that we can learn from the stories. And if you're following along in the back of your bulletin, uh, our first tip on how to be a superhero, that's that superheroes bring all requests to God, even the ones that may seem selfish, because God may be preparing you for something bigger. 
for the first um, part of those 10 years after I moved here, I did not go to church. Um, I never stopped believing in God, but I was not in a church community. I will sort of pray and read the Bible uh, sometimes, but I was not growing spiritually. I was tall. I had no church community or true Christian friends or family around, so I was really flying solo with no support, no accountability, or anyone to encourage me in my walk with God. As a result of that, I got into situations and ungodly relationships that I shouldn't have gotten into. I struggled with sin mainly because I was isolated, and not physically isolated, but I was emotionally isolated. Some of those things that I struggled with and some of those relationships were so ungodly and so shameful that I didn't dare share with friends or family, much less like bring them to God in prayer. I, like Hannah, was surrounded by friends, a family who loves me to the point of harassment, but just like Hannah, feeling like no one will understand. I started coming to Grace about five or six years ago. I got one of those flyers, postcards, in the mail. Um, Before Grace, I used to go on and off to a Southern Baptist church here in Arlington. After that, I also tried one Sunday at Hispanic church. And, like, as much as I love my people, like, I'll confess I left before the service started. It's that bad. And then I came to Grace one Sunday, and I loved it almost right away. Having grown up in a more traditional church, I was horrified that people were drinking coffee in the sanctuary (laughs) during service. And like some of you were wearing shorts and jeans to church. So the first couple of Sundays, I just sat in the back that used to be my corner with my sunglasses on (laughs) and just trying not to gasp like too loud. I like people eating donuts, like walking by me during worship. But I was really drawn to the Bible teaching here and the sense of community, the very kind people who greeted me at the door. And I just loved that I was learning about the Bible in a new way, different from what I had experienced in all my years growing up at church. So now I bring my own Starbucks. And if you've seen me, I wear jeans to church like almost every Sunday. Um, I was a bit like Hannah in that things didn't change for her while she stayed around her problems with Penina taunting her, and the husband making the issue basically about himself. She only felt better after she came to the temple where there is like a sense of community and a sense of everybody coming together to meet with God. She only felt better after fully opening up to God, not hiding her anguish, not hiding her desires from God or those around her in the temple. Once she shared her request with God and with Eli, the priest, verse 18 says that she was no longer sad and that she went and finally ate something. And that's how it was for me, too. In the first years I started coming to Grace, I felt my personal relationship with God grow very rapidly. But then I got stalled as I tried to pretend that I was a perfect Christian. And I kept avoiding coming to God with the issues and the relationships that I knew needed to be dealt with. And we all have that one thing that only we know about and we won't share with anybody. 
For some of us, those that can be a private struggle. Um, we may be struggling with faith or believing certain things about God. We may have a longing for a child, just like Hannah, or we may be longing for a spouse, or maybe for a better job. We may be struggling with someone around us who is like taunting us and bullying us, maybe even abusing us. We may be battling jealousy of someone who has a better job, a better car, a better life, or what about better health? We may be secretly hoping for God to deliver us from an addiction, whether that's an addiction to alcohol, an addiction to food. We may be struggling with pornography, with an ungodly relationship, depression, feelings of unworthiness, or on the very opposite of that, we may be struggling with pride, whatever our situation may be. It really wasn't until I brought my issues and those relationships I was struggling with to God, and I prayed some of the most honest, ugliest prayer that I've prayed in my life. No Miss Universe like World Peace prayer here. <laughs> that I was really able to experience God's true amazing grace, see my spiritual life really grow exponentially, and then I started to see glimpses of God's plan for my life unfold. And that's where we can get our tip number two on how to be a superhero, and that's that superheroes harness the power of raw, honest, ugly, uncensored, simple prayer. And we can also learn our tip number three, and that's that superheroes trust that their prayers can influence God. We see on verse 5 that it was actually God who, for whatever reason, had decided to close Hannah's womb. Yet after Hannah's honest prayer to God, God seemingly changes his mind and gives her a child, and not just any child, but he gives her Samuel. I have had my own experience with prayer that influenced God. When I was in the corporate world, I would volunteer for a lot of different organizations here in the area, and I even served here on Sundays as a volunteer greeter. I started noticing that as much as I loved my job and my successful career, I was getting a lot more personal satisfaction out of the volunteer work that I was doing. So I started to pray, you know, a humble prayer that, like, God will give me a job, like maybe in the nonprofit world. The idea of a job at the church was such a dream that I couldn't even dare pray or, like, dream too much about it. But once I got that dream on my heart, oh, man, I did pray about it one day, and I just decided not to tell anybody about it because I didn't want it to feel like it was me making it happen. And in the super cool, awesome way that God works things out, a random conversation with Derek after church one Sunday conversation about paintball, of all things, actually turned into a job interview, and I guess the rest is history. I have now been on staff for two years and just really loving every minute of it. So that's kind of where I am in my personal journey up until now. And as for Hannah, after she prayed, this is how it ended for her, and we'll read from 1 Samuel chapter 1, 
verses 19 and 20 and 24 through 28. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah, and when Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. So now I am giving him back to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. And from those verses, we get our tip number four on how to be a superhero, and that's that superheroes boldly ask God to remember them. If you continue reading the story, you find out that God actually gave Hannah five more children after he gave her Samuel. Now, if you leave this morning and remember nothing of what I've said, (laughs) I hope you remember at least this one thing. Just don't be afraid of raw, honest, ugly, uncensored, simple prayer. Just don't postpone it. I personally don't like to journal, and I especially don't like journaling my prayers. It just doesn't work for me. But when I was dealing with some stuff some years ago, that just like Hannah was either you know, too hard, too embarrassing, too personal, uh, too painful, or maybe too selfish to even hear myself say it out loud to God in prayer. I remember writing down one short phrase on a piece of paper, just like this one, that expressed my main concern at the time. It wasn't even a complete prayer. It was just a short phrase. But it really expressed what was on my heart, and that was actually the first step in me eventually bringing to God in prayer everything else that I was dealing with. That short written statement led me to pray one of those honest, ugly prayers that actually marked a turnaround point in my life and started preparing me for ministry, although I didn't know it at the time. The music team is going to come up now, and while they play, maybe you just want to consider taking a couple of minutes um, to fill in the short prayer that's in the back of your bulletin. You'll see that it says personal prayer. And maybe you just want to write down whatever is in your heart. And who knows, maybe like it has happened in my life and in Hannah's life, that prayer that you say or write this morning may be the start of something much bigger than what you could have ever imagined. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much just for who you are, for just your amazing grace and just being just an amazing God. Father, I thank you for what you reveal to us through your word. I thank you, God, that you're a God that's full of love and grace and that wants to be in relationship with us. 
and that you're just waiting for us to come to you, Father, with anything that we may be dealing with, whether it's pretty or whether it's ugly. And you're waiting not to judge us or to condemn us, but you're waiting to help us break free. I pray that in the next few moments you will bring to our minds those things that we just need to turn over to you this morning, God. And I just thank you for what you have done in my life and what you did in Hannah's life and for what I know you're about to do, Father. And I just thank you and I love you and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.